0: This is out of bounds. This is out of bounds. It is your weekly spot for the wacky, weird, and wild, downright odd in the sports world. That's me, O'Brien, doing her facial gimmick. That's me, John Alba, doing my. I'm going to drink some whiskey gimmick here in just a few minutes. Welcome to the Know Your News Network. What's going on, Mia? How we doing Monday? Busy oh, day. What's up? Busy day for you?
1: Busy day, indeed. Uh, up at the crack of dawn for uh, Jaguars practice, although uh, as much as you and I are not necessarily early risers, John, that's probably a good thing because we currently have a feels-like of 114 here in lovely Northeast Florida, so better to get out there early, uh, although I will give a little PSA to our listeners, to our viewers. Um, they tell you, you know, you got to hydrate. You got to make sure you got your electrolytes. Gatorade was invented by the Florida Gators down the road in Gainesville what they don't tell you even if you're 125 pounds don't skip meals during training camp
0: oh no. yeah because
1: that's what got me today I wasn't dehydrated it was the blood sugar oh, you
0: gotta you gotta keep I mean that's that's a huge part of it you got to keep the energy up you got to keep
1: the calorie blood sugar intake up. yeah I just oh, yeah. did not see it coming I uh, felt like well hey I hydrate I, I drink a gallon of water every day. Uh, you know, had a late dinner or late lunch, excuse me, early dinner yesterday. And so then was like, oh, I had a little snack before bed, protein shake this morning. I'll be good. And oh, yeah, after three hours in the sun, all of a sudden oh, you're like, Why
0: you're doing do I that go wrong, shopping? girl. Come on. You're supposed to be a veteran at this.
1: I, I'm telling you. And we get to stand oh. in the shade now, thanks to the beautiful new Miller Electric Center. So, you know, I, I'm like, hey, I got a little bit of shade, some breeze. Nope. Not when it's 114 out.
0: I know, Tony Khan. I can put in a good word if you need something. Hey, listen,
1: he keeps those buildings at about 55 degrees. Compared to my house, which is 71 right now, I need the 55.
0: Okay. All right. Take it for what it is. We are here for another edition of Out of Bounds, and we love chatting with you guys. We want to hear from you. Go to kynchat.com. Leave us your super chat to get your comment read on air, or if you're just watching via YouTube, you head on into YouTube, you leave us a super chat. We'll read your comment on air. You can give us some input as well, and we'll have A lot of fun along the way. Uh, Mia, we are back at it this week. It's time to drink. What are we cheersing to?
1: We are cheersing to... That's a great question. I will say this. We will cheers to, uh, according to Chris Collinsworth, since I don't see this on our rundown today. Actually, we do. We are going to circle to Aaron Rodgers, but uh, we're going to cheers to Zach Wilson. Uh, We are going to cheers to the fact that he, according to Chris Collinsworth, well, that's improvement as he slipped and slid his way for... A failed third down conversion. All
0: right, ready? ASMR. There it is. Cheers to Zach Wilson. Better things ahead this year as he sits on the bench. hmm you want a bold prediction? I'll give you a bold prediction.
1: Yeah, hit me. By the way, I, I really thought we... I didn't see Zach Wilson's name. I forgot we do have Aaron Rodgers uh, in the rundown tonight.
0: Zach Wilson, even with Aaron Rodgers as the starting quarterback for the Jets, this year, Zach Wilson will start at least one game, is my bold prediction.
1: Well, probably I, if they wrap up the division. Is that's the not why. That.
0: I think Aaron Rodgers misses a game or two this year because of injury. That's oh. Just, that's just my, my hunch. My that hunch is, is a hot take. Back.
1: Man my alive. Is right. Don't so hit we, a man while he's down.
0: I'm just – well, thankfully he's a foot ahead of us. Anyway, let's go over to baseball here. And you're talking about hitting a man while he's down. What about while he's standing up, Mia? This was absolutely crazy. Probably the wildest thing that happened in the sports world this week. Cleveland Guardians third baseman Jose Ramirez, Chicago White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson were both ejected from Saturday's game. After exchanging punches during the bottom of the sixth inning, it led to a brawl in which both managers were ejected as well. So Ramirez slid safely into second on a double. He beat Anderson's tag. And while on the ground, Ramirez began arguing with Anderson. He pointed at him as he stood up. And these guys just threw down their gloves, circled up, it was like celebrity deathmatch. Get it on. And Anderson, uh, well, he put up his fist. He was ready for a fist fight. The two took swings at each other. Ramirez socked Anderson, sent him down to the ground. This was absolutely wild. Anderson's gone six games. Ramirez has gone three games as a result of suspensions. So I ask you, me, O'Brien, does baseball need more fist fighting to inject some life? into the game here.
1: Let's begin with Tim Anderson when he took the gloves off. Look at this picture. Look at the, this. The taking of the glove off <laughs> was fa- – that was the best part. Like, forget about connecting. It was it was when the glove physically came off. Uh, I, I don't know if I've ever seen that in baseball, quite like that where it was a one-on-one showdown. Um, listen. You
0: had – remember the it odor Jose Batista fist fight at yeah oh Jose, yeah. i mean there was a sucker punch in that too this was the closest thing we've had to that since
1: that was the closest thing we've had to it but like i said the glove yeah drop it truly dropped the gloves
0: and they like you know circled I mean? each other and it was like all right here we go right
1: no it was fantastic i mean here's the thing it was fantastic
0: going at it here
1: you don't want to like it's not what you want in the words of uh one of our favorite cult heroes But the reality is, is people go to hockey games to watch people fight. And while that's obviously a much more physical sport than baseball um, and and often by nature and also by design is incorporated into actual game play. Um, I'm not sure you, you really want a fight a game, but listen, show some character, show some spunk. Uh, it showcases that these guys aren't just worried about their hamstring like John Carlos Stan, who was afraid to run home the other day um, and, and go full speed. And so I appreciate that. What, what I don't appreciate is the AL Central, which is, quite frankly, uh, repulsive. I mean, someone show. should
0: knock out the AL Central.
1: Right, exactly. Someone <laughs> sucker punched the whole division, and that's with all due respect to my friends up in Cedar Rapids, Colonels, Minnesota Twins land. because, uh, first of all, you're looking at a division, which includes – Definitely the Chicago White Sox and to an extent, the Cleveland Indians in which all five guardians. Sorry, sorry, sorry.
0: Come on. We're like, we're like three years into this. Also,
1: when I was there last summer, I would say guardians and every Ohio resident I talked to said Indians.
0: We don't call them the guardians. Uh Anyways,
1: I digress. The point I was getting at all five of those ball clubs, John, all five of them in the last five years have had different points where they had a top three farm system in the majors. Top three. What happened?
0: Poor leadership, poor management, players just absolutely not rising to the occasion. I mean, look, this is not a super chat, but I'll read it. Uh, Armand says Anderson took that right hook like he takes a strikeout looking. The the absolute total spiral of Tim Anderson from an all-star last year into... Yeah, wait, wait. Can we read a these
1: numbers, this- John? Because these numbers are absurd. I didn't realize how drastic he fell off a cliff. Sure. 335 in 2019, 322 in the shortened 2020 season, that's what Tim Anderson batted. 309, 301, 244. Yeah. He also had four seasons of double digits home double digit home runs. He has one.
0: Yeah, he's got one. And one. I think if I recall, I think his WAR, I think he's like a minus 1.6 player, so he's actually costing the White Sox games at this juncture which is pretty surreal considering there was a period of time where people were talking about this guy being a face of the game here at some point, and that has not happened and likely will not happen at any point. This was so much fun, though, Mia, because it broke the decorum the unwritten rules of baseball. And every now and then when you get a brawl, it can act as uh, this lightning rod for a team. It's not going to happen for any team in the AL Central. But I remember I was reading Jack Curry's 1998 Yankee book, and they were talking about the Armando Benitez-Tino Martinez brawl that when the Yankees teammates realized they had Tino's back and Daryl Strawberry runs into the opposing dugout and takes a swing, that's when they realized as a unit, hey, we're a force and we want to beat every single team that we face by several runs, every single game. So in a real world, you would hope that that would serve as motivation, but the reality is the AL central is just absolute garbage this year. Which brawl, which
1: which brawl do you prefer? Pedro Martinez and Don Zimmer or Jason Veritek and Alex Rodriguez?
0: (laughs) I mean, I think the, surrealness of the 2003 brawl where don zimmer just gets how old was he 83 he was in his 80s yeah and he just gets yeeted by pedro just one of the more surreal things you're ever gonna see in a sporting event but uh, i'll tell you i thought that it injected a little bit of life into the game between two bad teams and if we saw this every now and then I wouldn't hate it, honestly. Six games and three games—that's not that bad. First. Show us
1: that you're alive. You have a pulse. This isn't yeah, just yeah, you know sticking to gentlemen's rules. And yeah, I actually the, the the suspension, and I see some of our listeners are commenting as such on YouTube about it. Um, it, it really wasn't all that much. Like, I, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Pedro a Arod, Ho- Jose Bautista—those guys incurred a much more severe suspension. Am I I'd wrong? Have
0: to, I'd have to look it up what they were, but. Let's see. Jose Batista suspension fight. And yeah. Rona Dordor was a big part of it, too. No, Batista just got one game. Really? Uh, Rona Ordor Ordo got eight games.
1: I mean, compared to what you would get in the National Football League for fighting, I mean, you probably get a game or a half it's, there. It's
0: different because that's not a hundred. The nature of it. Games, yeah. But right. yeah, no, I'm, I'm about it. And I just think it's about time that we see a little life come out of the AL Central because I'm not expecting a whole lot of life to come out of it for the rest of the season, quite frankly. we got to start resuscitating that division. There used to be quality teams there that would make deep runs, late 90s, early 2000s, and then it just went off a cliff. So Jim
1: Tomei is very sad seeing the state uh, of the I don't know AL what's Central.
0: going on there in the Central. I mean, it's pretty surreal that everyone is so bad.
1: I didn't realize the Royals are only like seven games above the
0: A's. I
1: didn't realize it was that bad. Oh no,
0: they stink. I mean, they they really stink. And it, it stinks
1: just, because they got Bobby Witt, who's one of the most exciting young players in the game, and he's on this god awful team. I mean, but that's got, the nature of the
0: Royals. You've got the Yankees, who are twelve games back in the AL East. They would be a half game back of first place in the AL Central right now.
1: So. And that's only by virtue of they all beat up on each other. Yeah. So Not great.
0: Of that you uh, speaking
1: of injecting life, um, there, there, <laughs> there's a lot of life in this man, e- even though he's a little bit old. Both of these gentlemen, actually. At 73, Dusty Baker. Now we'll get to Joe Biden in a second. Dusty Baker became the oldest manager to ever win a World Series when the Astros won it all last year. Monday, today, White House celebration for the team. Joe Biden, the president of the United States, says he could relate to Dusty, quote, People counted you out, saying you were past your prime. Hell, I know something about that, Biden joked. Everyone was thrilled to see Dusty finally win the big one. John, who is an athlete or coach you'd like to see finally get the job done? Any sport. Who's your guy?
0: Can we just laugh real quick about how much taller Joe Biden is than Jose Altuve? Oh, my God.
1: I didn't even notice that. <laughs> I look a lot of those guys. I hate to say it.
0: I mean, yeah, but especially Jose Altuve. I think Are we going to do it.
1: like a, can we superimpose Joe Biden into Aaron Judge on the meme?
0: Yeah, there you go. That would there work. You go. That would suffice. Hmm. All right, let's think about this. Players or coaches who have not won the big one, but have come close or just haven't been on a team that's been good enough.
1: I've got two, so you better, you better come ready.
0: Instinctually, the first name that comes to mind for me is Mike Trout,
1: yeah. because
0: Mike Trout is going to go down as one of the greatest players of all time, and he has come nowhere close to even competing for a championship.
1: Well, that's the thing with Mike Trout. I would like for him to just make the postseason. Yeah, <laughs> World Series would also be nice, but I would just like for him to make the po- to make the postseason. So like
0: we're talking about a guy here who, it's like what. I think in the NBA, I'm probably going with a guy like Chris Paul. Oh, okay. who, mm-hmm. who long, long chasing yep. titles, has had many opportunities, widely regarded as one of the greatest point guards of all time. And, and I don't think his teams have necessarily lost due to him in the past. I think he belongs on that list. I'd love to hear yours.
1: So I will also go to the NBA. Uh, I will go for another guy uh, who actually finally finally broke through and made a post excuse me, made a championship round 36 years young. This was in his 16th season. That is of course one Al Horford uh, who finally, finally makes it to the championship round with the Boston Celtics. But of course they could not close the deal. Um, and of course uh, he, he does have ties to the Florida area, which I, I cover now. He's a guy who he's an immaculate grid answer machine um but just seems like such a good guy who has been on competitive teams john it's not like he's been on crappy teams his entire career but it just for whatever the reason much like chris paul hasn't been able to get to that championship round and even when he finally got there they weren't able to win at all my second pick is in the nfl and a little bit more off the radar and uh again this is a personal pick for me and that's calais campbell um he is a guy who when Canton comes calling, and the voters have to look at his hall of at his resume. I believe he has a hall of fame resume, but he um,
0: might need the title to put him over the. He top. needs
1: to put to put him over the top. Mm-hmm. And what's sad about it is, by many accounts, when he was traded from Jacksonville to Baltimore, Lamar Jackson was coming off of an MVP season, and the prevailing thought was they are in their window. He has a chance to win a championship and add to that legacy and affirm himself as a hall of famer. And obviously they haven't been able to get it done. Um, you know, so he, he goes to Atlanta this offseason. I, I don't really know what's going to happen there. Um, but he's a guy that I just would hate for him to be kept out of the hall solely because, well, he never won the big one. He, he never made it to the championship game because while certainly it's something that adds to your resume, it, it's fascinating to me. And, and as great as his career was for as short, as it was to see a guy like Terrell Davis, who certainly was dominant, for five seasons in Denver, but one of the prevailing criteria when he was admitted into the hall of fame a few years ago was, well, he did win a super bowl. So it's okay. So like he put up these numbers, it was only five seasons, but he did go to a super bowl. And so that's where I see these other guys like Calais, where look how long their careers have been. They've been productive well into their thirties, but you didn't win the big one. So therefore we can't count you.
0: It really is amazing when you look at these lists of Hall of Famers or great players who never won a championship across any of these sports, because I do think for the superstars, you don't really think about it that much because you're like, these guys are good enough on their own merit. Their legacies speak for themselves. But then you get into those borderline candidates for a Hall of Fame induction and all of a sudden that hall of fame ring or that championship ring rather actually starts to carry some weight, right? It it really starts to mean something like for a guy like Henrik Lundqvist, Mm -hmm. will it matter that he didn't win a championship with the Rangers? Probably not. But if he did, you're saying this guy's a top three goalie of all time. But, but I think because he didn't, maybe you're saying, well, maybe he's top five, top 10 instead. And, And I do think that not, Winning the big one really does carry some weight. Someone in baseball, I'd love to see win it. It ain't happening this year for him. Buck Showalter. Yeah. I mean, Buck Showalter mm-hmm. has come, he's come close. And if '95 didn't happen and '94 didn't happen, rather, the Yankees might have had a chance at winning the World Series, and they were the best team in the American League at that point. And for all we know, they could have broken through. And, and he finally wins one. So it is really interesting. Uh, to go back and look. I mean, a guy like Ichiro never won a World mm, Series. True. The greatest hitter of all time, maybe, never won a World Series. It's Dan Marino never won a Super Bowl. But when I Dan almost won- put
1: him down as an immaculate grid answer today for the Miami Dolphins, oh, and then really? I went, wait a second.
0: But when Dan Marino, when he goes into the Hall of Fame, no one's questioning how oh, he didn't win a Super Bowl, so he's not a Hall of Famer. It's obvious, right? Like he's a hall. And I think player. part of
1: that is the position he played. Look at the position that. But he now I
0: think quarterbacks. There is an expectation that you need to win the big one to be considered yeah. among that elite group, whereas. In the past, when you had the Dan Marino's, like, I think Dan Marino would have been a Hall of Famer on his own merit, but I don't think it would have been as unanimous today with him as it was back then.
1: So let me give you one, an example. If Kurt Warner doesn't win a Super Bowl and then go to another one with a different franchise, does he get into the Hall of Fame as easily as he did?
0: Not, a, not in my opinion. There it is. Not in my opinion. I mean, he was a fantastic quarterback and a great story, but if he didn't win the 99 Super Bowl, then I totally see a much more difficult path for him to get there. I, I do think championships matter in sports. I do think they do. And yes, in team sports, it's harder. It's undoubtedly harder, but they do carry some weight. And we got some good suggestions in the chat guys. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Leave us a super chat. Just drop them there on YouTube and we'll read your comments throughout the show uh, because there are so many out there too. that still, exist in the realm all right Mia. let's keep going to a team that did not win a championship that is the u.s women's national team oh boy yeah this is uh this is rough here uh the united states knocked out of the women's world cup after a 5-4 penalty shootout defeat to sweden in the round of 16 this weekend the earliest exit ever in world cup play for the u.s women's national team is this the biggest underachievement For an American team in international play, Mia.
1: It's only to be outdone by their male counterparts not making the 2018 World Cup, John. Um, That's as close as I can come up with. Uh, This is something that many predicted would come. Some thought it would come in 2019. They thought that that would be the turning point, the seminal point in women's soccer globally where... The rest of the world caught up with the US, but the difference between 2019 and 2023 was in 2019, that group of women had that dog in them, for lack of a better term. They were playing for something more. The standard was the standard. It was win the whole thing or nothing it's it's win or die like that was literally the way that they viewed that and part of that was because they were simultaneously fighting for equal pay um, this joke has been made several times and I hate that I'm making it but the reality is is well you got equal pay and now you have an equal finish to the men's side being ousted in the round of 16 the terrible mm-hmm. irony of that of course that's independent though of the off the field activism of the of the women's national team and that's you know obviously there's lots of people who have their feelings about Megan Rapino, but I'm really glad Eddie on uh, youtube one of our commenters is pointing it out how carly lloyd was 100 correct what she said about this team when they simply tied in the final game of the group stage and celebrated
0: about it. about it yeah
1: right which is the standard is the standard if you actually play for the united and that's where you know this notion of well you know the united states takes for granted that they have been the world power in women's soccer for our entire lives for 30 years um that is certainly true. And part of that is because of the accessibility and by nature of having feeder programs and having youth soccer dating back to the 1970s, thanks to the title nine movement. But the reality is, is that those women in 2019 and 2015, they looked at the standard of those women who yeah. fought in the nineties and said, they would, they would expect nothing less than a championship. So I could not expect anything less than a championship. Yeah, so I'm- Yeah.
0: I mean, I think one pushback is just with soccer in general, especially over the years, it is much more of a world sport where it's not hard for people to get good at it, you know, and and I think especially
1: if you invest the money in it.
0: Yeah. And I think internationally, the standard has raised across the board for women's soccer. So the U.S. might have been ahead, but I think other people are starting to catch up. And that's much like how the rest of Major League Baseball is caught up to the Yankees. Finally, I and think the rest to, of the league or the rest of the country's got. Honestly, things.
1: it's hilarious that you bring up that because I actually said it to you know Coach Dave Campo, former head coach of the Cowboys, who works with me here in Jacksonville. He said it to me. He said, "I." He goes, "I'm not a huge U.S. Women's Soccer fan, but knowing what I do and knowing how much of a diehard Yankee fan I am, I see some parallels. They refuse." Yeah. They refuse to straight up rebuild. You have an old guard and a new guard and you're convinced you're going to be able to get them to effort. gel together uh-huh. and you're never going to have to reset the roster that it will just, con- you don't have to reset it. It's, it's just going to work out. That's what this U S women's national team roster was. It was, you still had old guard that you wouldn't let go of and you wouldn't fully lean into the new guard. And thus you had that disconnect. And it was never going to be put together on the field, especially when you have a coach with some very questionable uh, coaching decisions throughout the duration of their four games.
0: I'll tell you what, I'll give you one team that I think underachieved more than this team. And even though they did walk away with a bronze medal, I think it's got to be the 2004 uh, men's uh, United States men's basketball team.
1: Yep.
0: Uh, So we're talking about Greece here. I'm going to read you this roster. This team came in third place. Allen Iverson, Stefan Marbury, Dwayne Wade, Carlos Boozer, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, Emeka Okafor, Sean Marion, Amari Stoudemire, Tim Duncan, Lamar Odom, and Richard Jefferson. And that team came in third place. That's when most of those guys were in their prime. I mean, let's talk about this. Hall of Famers, Allen Iverson, Dwayne Wade, Carmelo Anthony, LeBron James, Tim Duncan, a couple bubble players on there as well. That team came in third place. Argentina coming in first. Carlos Delfino and Manu Ginobili that year were absolutely insane. Italy came in second place. Uh, I remember that being a big, big deal when the U.S. men, and they haven't lost since.
1: Right. Because
0: I think that spurred some changes in them.
1: Beyond them not having lost since, what happened in 08? It was a mission. Kobe Bryant and company were on a mission. Mm -hmm. They would not be denied. And... That's the difference. I just, you know, we use the dog in them, but it's true. If I don't see fight, like I said this to everybody who, you know, noted that outside of the New York Yankees, in terms of my fandom of pro sports, it's pretty much the Yankees and it's the U S women's national soccer team. And the apathy ran very thick for me these last few weeks because it just didn't look like they wanted to be there. So why would I want to watch them? Quite frankly, Um, that group in 2019 They clearly wanted to be there. They wanted this nation to embrace them. This group, I don't know if they just didn't want to play in 50-degree New Zealand or like what the deal was, but it looked like they didn't want to be there. And for me as a fan, why would I want to watch? If you're not going to have a pure joy and love for the game and be competitive and have that fire that made me fall in love with watching this team as a young girl in the 90s, then why am I going to invest any, any of my fandom in you? And that's very unfortunate because beyond the wins, that's what this program, cause it is a program that that's what this program has meant to people for 30 plus years. And so my hope is that this is like 2007, which was a similar or 2008, excuse me. No, seven, seven was a world cup. Eight was the Olympics. Similar situation. The fab five, Mia Hamm, Judy Fowdy, Brandy Chastain and company. Um, um, they had all Ju- Julie Fowdy, Julie Fowdy, Joy Fawcett, Brandy Chastain, Christine Lilly. They all retired after the 04 Olympics. Um, and then it was this weird period of transition where you still had Abby Wambach. Um, you, you had Heather O'Reilly. Some, you, Heather O'Reilly was a young player coming up. You were about to enter into the Alex Morgan experience and, they couldn't decide because even like Brianna Scurry was still the keeper in the 07 World Cup, and they couldn't decide if they were in or out with the old or the new guard. And that lit a fire under them. And while certainly they didn't win the World Cup in 2011, and then there's, you know, the, the drought was, was what, 16 years long when they finally won it all again in 2015. At the very least in 2011, with that infamous Abby Wambach header in the quarterfinals against Brazil, they showed that fight that we hadn't seen since 99 and 3 to an extent, which was the final World Cup for Mia Hammond company. And so, yeah, it's disappointing, but I hope it's a wake-up call. That That's all I can say um, because the rest of the world is coming. And, you know, to your point about if you have money, you're able to create women's soccer because it's an affordable game compared to lacrosse or football. Yeah. The reality is we're looking at a situation, John, like women's basketball, where these women, look at Lindsey Horan, look at Mal Pugh, they are getting paid more money to go play overseas well, I mean, yeah, than they are to play club ball in the United States of America. And so they'll continue to do that. And those countries will continue to develop players that they identify at a young age, just it's like they do on the men's the side, and bring them up investment. through the feeder programs.
0: It's a long-term investment. And in, essentially, you get what you pay for, right? At the I, end of the day, that's that's what it boils down to. I think
1: Vlaco will be gone, though. I, I would think-
0: agree with that
1: by by next week's time they'll do their review or whatever um it was already time um despite the fact that you know he was brought on after jill ellis retired after the 2019 world cup um in my opinion it was only a matter of time so unfortunately it never really came together and so it'll be curious to see uh who cindy Parlow, a member of that 99 team now the president of the u.s soccer federation who they tab to lead the women's team into this next era
0: I should shoot a text. I I got to be pretty close with Tiffany Roberts to Yeah. She's over at UCF. And and we did a whole story about the reunion of that team not that long ago. And just, I mean, the vast difference in how things are today versus then with this team, it's pretty staggering. But of course people are always going to be a little nostalgic too. That's just the nature of sports. That's how they work. That's how it runs.
1: But that's why 2019 was so great, John, because it was such a throwback. They, yep. were the, they were the 99 team, 20 years removed, just changed the names. Michelle Akers was Megan Rapinoe, um, in, in terms of being that veteran leader but who still had some game left. You had a young goal sc- scorer in their prime, and Alex Morgan to Mia Hamm, um, you know, and, and they wanted to be in Paris. They wanted to make the final. They just didn't look like they wanted to be there the last three weeks.
0: I would agree with that, Mia. And, you know, you could say that the uh... – Team was rolling over with the let's let's just let's call a spade a spade with reality on the horizon, acknowledging what was ahead. Seems to be a similar position. Oh, God.
1: Here's the difference, John. Uh, the U.S. women's national team will rise again, the Pac 12 will not. Oregon, Washington, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah, on the heels of Colorado, already saying goodbye, all out of the Pac 12. And that leaves Cal, Stanford, Oregon State, and Wazoo as the only schools currently slated to play in the conference in 2024-2025. Is conference realignment just the best or just the worst thing that has happened to college sports? I'll
0: tell you, it's really bittersweet, isn't it? Because you think back even 20 years ago, 15 years ago, we were really truly in the heyday of conference competition where there was so much more parity spread across these different conferences, the Pac-12 was loaded in most sports, especially football. Pardon me, with seeing what USC was doing at the time and kind of the rise of Oregon in football. Then, uh, I'd always heard, right? Like, you'd hear this all the time. Once TV money gets in the way, conferences are all done, and people are like, yeah, that'll happen down the line. I mean, it's here. It, It has happened. TV money has completely radically change the way the college sports landscape changes i mean listen i don't think conference deaths are the worst thing for the sport so long as we still provide opportunities for the people that are left on the outside of these if we are not finding ways to provide ample opportunities then we're looking at a problem i'll use college football as an example the expanded playoff is going to provide more opportunities for a team like one of those four remaining schools, that should they find a way to get really good, they'll have a path to competing, even if they're left on the outside as far as conference realignment is concerned. Yeah. You could argue when the big East dissolved, a team like Cincinnati or a team like Louisville, probably a school, I should say like those probably should not have been left behind and stuck in the AAC. And I hate to use it that way, but that's be real here. Right. As long as we are finding ways to still incorporate these teams, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world, especially as now money is going into these conferences, and now we're seeing ways for players to make profit off of that.
1: If you're an Oregon State fan or a Wazoo fan, at this current juncture, it looks like those school, those four schools we just listed, will be absorbed into the Mountain West. There is a potential road for Cal and Stanford to join the Big Ten down the line. Potentially, Oregon State to go to the Big Twelve alongside San Diego State.
0: Why it, do we you know, even like, have numbers, Mia? Why do we even have numbers? In right, but
1: right, it's like twenty teams in a conference. I don't understand it. You don't even get the bulk of like, like, like this whole notion. This is my favorite. So, the Big Ten with their new deal, right? It's going to be for a sixteen-team league. million in TV rights per school. Here's the problem, John. Now they have 18 teams. So now they're not even getting the full 80. Yes, you'll still get more than you would if you were still in the Pac-12, but I don't understand it. Anyways, back to my previous point. If you're Wazoo, if you're a fan of Wazoo, how do you accept that you are no longer part of a Power 5 institution? Like, nope, sorry, You, you went down. But when we look at James Madison, who is an FCS power and they get the bump up to the group of five, like it's more common that you get the bump up. You don't hardly ever hear of you're getting the bump down and you're going to accept it and be OK with it. That's the crazy part for me, that there are going to be institutions that have to accept that this is the situation like you are moving down in the food chain.
0: Yeah, but I mean, I th- th- it happens I in the happens. English Premier
1: League. It happens in the English Premier League. It's something completely different in American sports.
0: I think that's what happened when I just used that example. It seems like Louisville and schools like Cincinnati, where they were really knocking on the door of being special programs in multiple sports. Then the big East dissolved and they got lost, but guess what? They were able to earn their way back into the conversation where now Cincinnati, especially as far as football is concerned, very relevant in the discourse. And we see that Louisville has not been forgotten about. So it can happen. You can do that. It just may take time. And unfortunately in college sports, players only have four years of eligibility and maybe they won't get to see their fruits of their labor in real time because it's taking so much time for your school to elevate itself back into prominence, but it can happen. It can. And I know so many people are so up in arms and, from a traditionalist standpoint, yeah, it does suck. We lose out on a lot of history with some of these conferences. But at the same time, the game evolves. Sports evolve. Everything changes. The way we consume these sports has changed. It is not the same as it was 15, 20 years ago. Streaming has opened up Pandora's box for that. I don't think, honestly, it's as big of a deal as some people are expressing that it is as long as you can make sure that there's some equity established among the conferences because yeah if if the college football playoff comes around and it's just automatic bids and then five SEC teams maybe that's not the best way to handle it what did
1: jimmer say say last week if I was to die tonight and Jonathan Taylor was to be released, the league would still go on.
0: The league will still go on. The sport will still go on. As long as the lights stay on, Mia O'Brien.
1: Oh, into the darkness oh, we is go. So
0: fantastic. This is so fantastic. The memes, the Aaron Rodgers memes, they are rolling in already, as they should. The Jets and Browns geared up the fourth quarter of last week's Hall of Fame game in Canton. The lights on one side of Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium went out, leaving the Jets and Aaron Rodgers specifically in partial darkness before the team lost 21-16. During the delay, it was a 15-minute delay, the NBC cameras caught 39-year-old New Jets quarterback on sidelines, fittingly in the dark, of course, after his darkness retreat. Is this an omen for what is ahead? Because, boy, howdy, Mia. You cannot you, – you can't come up with a meme more appropriate than this.
1: I mean – Listen, I am. That. Look at that! It's amazing. So I will say this: having been to a game at Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium, I, believe
0: it. I it's probably like Tropicana Field, where you're hopeful yes. the power stays on. I get it.
1: Very much not surprised that that happened, um, because listen, beautiful place, Canton, Ohio, but I was a little underwhelmed by the Hall of Fame festivities. And maybe with the Cleveland Browns being one of the teams, uh, maybe it was a little bit more full, uh, both the Hall of Fame festivities and the downtown. Like, we're talking like the day of, like, you go downtown and it's like a ghost town. I'm like, then somebody's got to like don't don't did, you have to go out to eat and like. Did you
0: see right before the Hall of Fame inductions? The ceremony was going to start in like five minutes, and it was like Trump's inauguration. It It's just like totally empty.
1: It's uh, it makes no sense to me because it's such like a seminal moment it's a that everyone. Everybody cares about it, and yet no one's there. Um, Maybe it's just because Canton's kind of obscure and hard to get to, although it's only an hour south of Cleveland, but I digress. Um, Aaron Rodgers, the Jets, um, much like uh, Urban Meyer and the Jacksonville Jaguars, this is either going to end in a dumpster fire or a blaze of glory. There is no in-between. It's that simple, John. I do not see a world in which they straddle both lines. Uh, Either Aaron Rodgers and this ascending defense are able to be a match made in heaven, and we see a Tom Brady situation, a Peyton Manning to the Broncos situation, or it is just like his predecessor, both in Green Bay and in New York, one Brett Favre. And this ends in utter dismay. And Nathaniel Hackett for a second straight year is involved in an absolute just disaster. And poor Robert Sala, because I think he's actually a halfway decent coach. He's especially a halfway decent defensive coordinator. And so, yeah, it it, it can only go one of two ways. It's that simple.
0: I want to be wrong. I really do. I want Jets fans to have something go right for them. It's about time. It's been a long road for Jets fans.
1: Although they think that they're like God's gift to America now that they have Aaron Rodgers, and I'm but like,
0: hmm. I, I get it. Look, they're excited about something. The team invested and gave them something to be excited about. They've drafted well. They're they're
1: they're aside from Zach Wilson, you
0: know, that that was a different situation, old regime. But
1: no, no, Joe but, Douglas but, drafted but, Zach
0: Wilson. But continue. He wasn't a solid pick, was he? Yeah, he was. Oh, he was a solid pick. He okay, was Salas first pick. I thought, I thought that was a year before Salah. Nope. Um. Anyway, regardless. Point being here. They are due a break. And I want to be wrong. I have no doubt in my mind this is going to be a disaster. What? I, I have no doubt. This is going it's gonna, you know, here's what's gonna happen, me They'll start three and one. I don't know what the schedule yep. is. I don't have it in front of me. They'll start three and Pulling
1: one. Pulling up their schedule right now.
0: And everyone's gonna be like, all right. Feeling good about this. Feeling good about this. Then something will happen where Rodgers take something wrong from a media member like something is asked and he doesn't take it the right way or doesn't agree with how it's said that'll turn into a controversy then as i predicted earlier there will be some sort of a minor injury zach wilson will play i don't know how well he's going to play but he'll play and then it will be towards the end of the season the jets will be fighting for a playoff spot and at the end of the season they will fall just short that the uh,
1: the schedule really plays into the script. Are you ready for this?
0: Okay, let's hear it. Yeah. So they
1: open up the first Monday Night Football game against the Bills. That's an AFC East showdown.
0: Game. Game. At
1: home. At home. on Still September On September 11th. So um, do with that what you will. Then they go to Dallas. Winnable game. Home against the Patriots. Winnable game. Home against the Chiefs. Tough game. But if they're three and one, everybody's going nuts. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then it happens, John. They have to go to Denver and face Sean Payton and the Broncos, who yep. I also think, for what it's worth, and I, I've been kind of on the side doing a little investigative reporting. I think they'll about... be
0: better. I think they'll be better.
1: I've been doing some investigative reporting into that situation out there, and gonna be interesting that's all I'm gonna okay. say all right because uh was Nate Hackett the problem or was it someone else entirely
0: I guess we'll find out
1: yeah exactly um then they're home against the Eagles bye week at the Giants who'll be frisky I'm not sure they'll get as many breaks uh as they did last year just in terms of the ball bouncing their way but I think they'll be one I think they're, I think they'll be better It'll be a tough one team more, to yeah tough team because that's just the nature of a day ball team mm-hmm. uh home against the Chargers at the Raiders at the Bills home against Miami home against the Falcons, home against the Texans, at Miami, home against Washington, at Cleveland, at New England.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of winnable games on that backstretch, but if you're if you're underperforming or if you're engulfed in controversy, we know how it can be hard to lose track of the ball, right?
1: But that's where I think they have a pretty tough first four or five games, and so yeah. we, we're going to think if they start out three and one, like, oh, my God, this is who they are. And then if injuries happen and the infighting no. and everything else, and then all of a sudden, if they're sitting there at eight and eight, I wouldn't be surprised. In the I, least.
0: I just think he, I think Rogers is going to be a disaster in New York, not necessarily even by play. He might be totally fine as a player. I don't think he is mentally equipped for that city. And people will sit there and they'll like, "Oh, the New York media. It's a trope. It's something that's over. It's not, especially football, especially football. Every week from September, especially October, until January, February, the NFL leads the New York Post. It leads the Daily News. Aaron Rodgers is going to be all over that every day, and that's going to be unlike anything he's experienced before. Mm-hmm. And, and I know the Packers are an institution in their own rights, but it's just different. And I don't think he's going to be used to being under the microscope in the same way that it happened. The whole immunized thing, remember when all that happened?
1: He would have been ripped apart.
0: Yeah, and not even just ripped apart. Remember how it took like weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks for people to figure out what was actually happening. That wouldn't happen in New York. Someone would pick up on that immediately. So that's why I the think. The
1: Dunk Wisconsin media had no idea.
0: And I'm not crapping on the media there, but it's just like the way the microscope works in the number one market in the country, it's in the world. I just don't see a way where this is a successful experiment from a totality standpoint might might it work on the field for a little bit i i i I hope it does i really do i really do but as ed here says rogers gets his feelings hurt easily (laughs) like in new york if you get your feelings hurt easily you don't last
1: uh do you do you think he's gonna play in any preseason games
0: i guess we could talk about the preseason yeah
1: i think he'll play in at least a couple let's cut to the chase on this one john alba um Give me one reason why we should care about the preseason.
0: Gives you something to bet on?
1: <laughs> Honestly, I watched that Hall of Fame game simply because I just I wanted to see yeah. a, an offense move up and down the field, and I didn't really see that. Uh, but I did kind of, a little bit. Shout out to Dorian Thompson-Robinson. But, uh, you know.
0: it It cracks me up when I see people on social media getting so invested in a preseason game. And on one hand, I get it. They're so starved for... I'm getting a taste. I'm getting a taste. This feels real. And But they'll get so invested in what happens in the game. And I don't know. You can tell me. 65 to 70% of the players you're seeing in any given preseason game might not even make the roster.
1: They might not even be in the NFL
0: in a month. That's what I'm right. So Right.
1: They may be out of the league. Um, no, I mean, so like from my vantage point, obviously, cause I cover an NFL franchise. So like I'm watching the preseason to see certain position battles, to see who is in the pecking order first um, in the wide receiver rotation, for example, in Jacksonville, like there's essentially like one to two potentially spots open on the roster they're not going to play those first four guys all that much because they know who their one through four are. And so you're just watching to see which young guys get in and maybe flash. Um, But that's because I'm in the weeds. Like Most people are not paying attention to the Jags and the Cowboys this weekend and paying attention to what the order of the running back rotation is or what's the offensive line combination. But like that's the nature of my job. I would say if you're a casual fan and you don't want your starters to be playing because you don't want to risk injury and you don't need to see them do what, you know, they're going to do in the regular season. You're quite
0: literally rooting for the shirts on the field.
1: You're yeah, no, you're just rooting for no injuries. Like, yeah. honestly. Yeah. So, I mean, like I'll watch and like, you know, like I'll be paying attention to all right. Like, did this kid do anything? Like, you know, did, did this guy, because especially you can't hit the quarterback in practice and, and you know, so, all right, well, he, he has to hold up against his own quarterback in practice, but did he get after somebody else's quarterback? Like, that I'll pay attention to. Um, I know Sean Payton has said that the starters in Denver will play in their first preseason game. Doug Peterson saying today that the Jaguars starters will get one to two series. Um, part of that for the Jags, and I think that's an interesting point to bring up too, John, is because, and, and some a staffer brought this up to me, the Jags also have um, joint practices next week with the Detroit lions. And so the assumption is they probably won't play their starters next week because they'll already have had like three hard days of like going at it with the lions. And so that is like a game. And so you give them a game now because you're not going to play them in that third preseason game because no one wants to risk injury.
0: And when people talk about injuries in the preseason most injuries happen in camp. They don't even happen in the games themselves. Most of the injuries go down in that feels like 114 degree heat where players are running drills. That's that's where the tendons are torn and the ligaments are damaged. Uh, hardly even as much in the preseason games themselves. I just think the preseason serves no purpose of being as long as it is. I really feel like... There's so much more equity built in camp itself rather than the actual game. So, but it's an opportunity to sell some tickets, I guess. And if you're really craving football, I mean, it'll be better than like the USFL, I guess. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I'm not crapping on the USFL, but I guess it'll be better than that. Uh, before we get to our beast of the week, meal, we got to get to this one. This I've been waiting all week to tee you yeah, up. You on sent the me. You
1: sent me this one quite some time ago.
0: This was. One of the craziest stories we're ever going to talk about here on Out of Bounds on the Know Your News Network. All right. One of these things is not like the other. (laughs) Look at where the leader is. Yep. And look at where the last place individual is. Oh, boy. The chairman of Somalia's National Athletics Foundation, Federation, rather has been suspended amid accusations of nepotism after a seemingly untrained female sprinter represented the African country at the World University Games in China and took more than, ready for this, 20 seconds to finish the 100-meter race far behind her competitors. The Somali Ministry of Youth and Sports released a statement directing the Somali Olympic Committee to suspend Athletics Federation Chairwoman Khadija Adenda here amid allegations that 20-year-old Nasra Abukar, who finished last in the race, as you can see in that picture, was a relative of hers and was given the chance to compete at the games because of her family ties. In her qualifying race, Abukar was immediately left behind the other runners and finished about 10 seconds after the winner. And despite finishing last, she did a little skip in the air as she crossed the finish line. Mia, we've seen a lot of nepotism in sports. You've seen it in the NFL firsthand. Is this the craziest display of nepotism you've ever seen? I, I couldn't stop laughing. when I, I just want
1: to note that the three runners, like in the middle though, like they're kind of in the middle of the pack. If they were even further up, this would be even more hilarious. Oh, yeah! This would be even more hilarious if they were a little further up. Um, I- I'll say this much: it gives me hope. I mean, I can run 100 <laughs> meters in, uh, in quicker than 20 seconds. seconds yeah. yeah, I think so. At least I hope so. Um, I could run a 40, and I think they time me at like 5'8". So I mean, I would hope I can. Um, so yeah. Um, well. I just hope that there are actual like athletes that can run faster in Somalia because if it's not nepotism, You're emphasis, good, they're,
0: they're generally a very good run. Country right, we've got some running. bigger
1: issues if you couldn't find somebody else to run.
0: It's just... I mean, I've never in my life seen anything more evident than that. That's like when you are playing rec basketball, okay? And one of the player's dads is the coach. And the player... I won't even say wreck. I'll say all-star all-star like AAU basketball and the player's dad is the coach. And that player is so much worse than everyone else on the team, but they're playing because of the the player's kid, uh, the coach's kid. I, I've, I don't think in organized nearly professional or professional competition, I've ever seen anything like that. I was laughing. So you got to watch this video. If you haven't seen this video, this girl Is so far behind everyone else, and they take off out of the gates. It was like if I had my grandmother run the race. I couldn't believe what I saw.
1: Did you see Tim Tebow play tight end for the Jaguars? I
0: did. There's no way it was as bad as that. There's no way.
1: At least Tim was in good shape.
0: There's just Tim would
1: have run. Tim would have run the hundred meter dash in under twenty seconds.
0: I would. I would sure as hell hope so.
1: Uh, in terms of blocking maybe not so much but
0: i mean to each their own i suppose on that all right mia it's time for the beast of the week what are we calling the most beastly thing that we saw in the sports world this week
1: i am actually going to circle back to our u.s women's national team uh and needless to say uh not someone on the U.S. team, but instead Sweden's goalkeeper. Uh, I want to make sure I say her name right because I definitely won't. Zesira Musovic, because uh, let me tell you, like, certainly the United States was, you know, not the goal scoring threat that they once were in these World Cup games. Um, but she was an all star. She was an MVP. I'm actually trying to figure out how many uh, saves she had. I know, obviously, in the PKs, the U.S. kind of you know, shot themselves in the foot more than once um, with Megan Rapino and Sophia Smith, both missing PKs, but 11 saves for the 27 year, 27 year old goalkeeper. Um, she just came up huge in this one. And as much as we want to talk about the U.S. blowing it, the reality is, is that as a goalie myself back in my day, um, I do have a soft spot for um, when a keeper is able to put on a display like that. So. Hopefully, best of luck against Japan in the quarterfinals. And we forget, John, Sweden was a perennial power um, in the mid-90s and early 2000s in women's soccer, so perhaps they can recapture some of that magic.
0: I am so reluctant to go with this one, but I have to because it was undeniable how crazy this weekend was for these guys, and that is for Jake Paul and Luke.
1: Oh, God.
0: Jake Paul oh. defeats Nate Diaz. Via uh, unanimous decision in what will probably go down as one of the most purchased boxing events this year, if not the most, and they sold out the crowd there earlier in the night, Logan Paul, who, by the way, if you haven't noticed this or heard about this, is like one of the best professional wrestlers in the world out of nowhere.
1: I, like, what do we make of the Paul brothers?
0: I mean, I can't stand them, but I mean, I,
1: neither can I. They're That's why so I'm like, good so at what they
0: eyes. do. That's what bothers me. They're so we literally good.
1: got famous during COVID for being YouTube stars,
0: but they and now so,
1: parlayed it into athletic careers.
0: They're so good at knowing how to reach people's emotions and fuel fire into money. I mean, Logan Paul opens up SummerSlam, which is. The second biggest show of the year for WWE has this insane match that started off. And yes, that's scripted, but he was fantastic in it. He hops on a private jet from Detroit and gets to the building for Jake Paul's fight in time, still in his gear, and then sees his brother beat Nate Diaz in a shoot boxing match. Because if you call that boxing, though, you know, that was what it was, but... These guys know what they're doing, and they know how to make a whole hell of a lot of money doing it. I have no love lost for them, but it's, uh, it's undeniable, Mia. They are my beasts of the week.
1: Anybody can be a professional athlete. I'm just kidding, because look at our friend in Somalia.
0: Yes, exactly. This has been Out of Bounds. We will be back with you next week right here on the Know Your News Network. We'll see you next time. Roses are red. Violets are blue. I click the subscribe button. You really should, too. If you like videos about real news stories that are funny, stupid, or weird, subscribe now.